0: Lee, I was just thinking about our conversation about the immense power that you and I both saw being exhibited at DesignCon just a month ago. If it's so challenging now, what what does the future hold?
1: Well, I'm thinking I might retire.
0: (laughs) You recorded your class. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) It's Judy Warner. Welcome back to this week's Ecosystem Podcast. Today, I'm joined by high-speed expert, Lee Ritchie, who's going to talk about power delivery systems, how you can navigate some pitfalls in that area, and why they have become such a key topic of discussion these days. I also share some online classes he's done below in the show notes, so make sure you go Check those out, and I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Lee Ritchie of Speeding Edge. Hi, Lee. So good to see you again. I'm excited to talk to you about power delivery systems today.
1: Well, it's my pleasure to be a part of this little adventure.
0: So I was made aware that you did this online class about power delivery systems recently through Endeavor Media. So... I knew if you're teaching a class about it it's something that our listeners would want to know about so why don't you start out by defining what a power delivery system is and what elements are involved in that from design engineering perspective
1: All right well our delivery system's job is to make sure power is delivered to an integrated circuit inside a package so it can do whatever it's designed to do uh, historically we have consider the power delivery system to be the dc converter the power ground layers on the board and the capacitors that engineers place on the board and that used to be enough as we have gone up the speed curve and the transistor count curve that has had to be expanded to include the capacitors that are put on the IC package by the manufacturer of the component and the capacitance that's engineered into the IC itself. And none of the modern component we use will work unless all of those have been included. So, PDS design now is, is includes all of those together. And for us engineers who are designing the boards, two of those we don't have any control over. One of those is, of course, the capacitors that the IC manufacturer put on the package. Uh-huh. And the other is what's on the IC. I forgot one element, and that's the package itself. Gotcha. We we've got such high currents, the package itself has to be included in the design flow. I mean, of course, that is not in the hands of the board designer.
0: Right, so how do we well, first of all, a question, a personal question. Our listeners might know, but I may not know. I came from, you know, I have experience in the EDA space, and in that space, a lot of times they talk about the power delivery network or a PDN. you know, there's PDN software. What's the difference between a PDN and a PDS?:
1: Well, I've, I've said a number of times, this tomatoes tomatoes. Some people, for some reason, want to use the word network. I consider that a bit misleading because mine mine says networks are a bunch of wires. And, of course, a PDM does not look like that. If it had a bunch of wires, it wouldn't work. So, the industry, for example, if you go to DesignCon, you'll see PDS as the common designator, power delivery system, because that's, in fact, what we're engineering.
0: Okay. Well that clears that up for me anyways. So you mentioned all these elements that are involved and then you know there's the chip level stuff and then there's the stuff that a board designer needs to own and consider why has it become so challenging and why did you decide to teach a whole course about this?
1: Well it it you most of all has to do with the level of integration we have in integrated circuits, where it is not uncommon to have an integrated circuit with several hundred million transistors. And how that density is achieved is by making this some uh, devices so tiny that they can't tolerate a high power supply voltage. So we get hit twice. We have to reduce the power supply rail voltage down, and most of the time now it's under one volt. And At the same time, the currents that you engineer are in excess of 100 amps. Uh, And there was a paper done at DesignCon this last January where that current was over 1,000 amps. And how do you get that much current into a part with copper layers and print circuit board inflated through holes And packages that are uh, typically have, if you're lucky, metal layers that are one mil thick. Uh, uh, And uh, that's basically what's what's driving pretty much all of the tools. Most of the tool vendors now have the ability to include all those elements in your model. Hmm. And you kind of have to do that.
0: Now, here's a loaded question. Are the models accurate?
1: Depends, as Eric, Eric should <laughs> want to say all the time.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, my When I teach my class, my mantra is an unvalidated simulation is worth the papers written on, meaning that you have to somehow ver- verify that the model you're including represents the real hardware. Because the tool itself does a good job. It's more often than not, it's incorrect models. Right, and most of us have had to resort to building prototypes and measuring them, uh-huh, in order to get in fact historically, that's how we've all done it. Uh, there exist some tools that, if you are good at driving them, will give you a, a pretty decent model. The trouble is, there are so few people who can drive those tools, yeah. That I mean, that's fundamentally a problem across the whole board, including PDF design. There's so few people with the skill right now that uh, we're we're hurting as an industry.
0: Which I, you know, which kind of speaks to my second point is why you decided to create this course so people could upskill. And yeah, at DesignCon, I I don't know if you saw Steve Sandler's paper or his booth but they were testing a 2000 amp core power rail and he made, he had refrigerated probes. Oh, I believe that. I believe that. Yes. And he had water cooled last year, design con, but this year it was refrigerated. And he said every semiconductor company has contacted him. So I guess we're pushing the power envelope for a, a variety of reasons. So, And this sort of ties into conversations I've had with him. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you're enjoying our awesome expert guest. I wanted to let you know we've got a new website engineering platform at the double ecosystem.com. So go on over, join our community. I've got free downloads from Eric Bogutin, Sam Samtech, Signal Integrity Resources, and so much more. And we've loaded it up all for you. And we've also launched a new career placement services. So come on over, join our community, and make sure you do all the usual stuff on YouTube in your podcast app. Thanks so much. Now let's get back to our podcast. So in regards to the board designer, what are some common myths or misconceptions specifically around the PDS that maybe you're trying to address in your class?
1: Well, certainly at the the top top of the list is uh, application notes that almost never are correct. Uh, In fact, I can't say I've ever seen one that is correct.
0: Yeah.
1: And of course, engineers who are beginners, that's what they have to work with
0: yeah
1: and when, when I teach my class, we go through and illustrate the things that are required, the elements that are required. And then I go and look at a typical applications note and for example, this is historic we way back when a point one on a point of one microfarad capacitor were all you needed things were so slow, and I still see application notes being printed with that on it and the frequencies that are involved in high-speed switching are so far above for those capacitors that are functional, they're, they're just useless. Second is we, we know that if we have a wide parallel bus, we need some plane capacitance in the pinnacle circuit board to supply those frequencies. And to today, to date I have not seen an application note that suggests you should have plane capacitance built into the pin circuit board. So, And so, if you're attempting, sort of, to to illustrate how some of the smarter IC manufacturers have dealt with this, is Intel has been doing this forever. Four-layer board does not have a plane capacitor, and so Intel has integrated onto the package and onto the die all the capacitors required for the part to do its job. That's been going on for at least 30 years. Of course, the engineers at Intel know that, and they know that their customers are designing four-layer boards and don't know much about this, and so they want their customers to succeed, and so that's what they've been doing. And lately, companies like Xilinx and Altera Broadcom are doing the same thing. And I won't name who it is, but I saw an app note from one of those that, At the bottom said, we have engineered all the capacitors on the die and on the package you require for this part to work other than the capacitors for the switching noise on your switching power supply. And the last statement, this is on page one, because engineers don't know how to design power delivery systems.
0: (laughs) There it is, in writing from IC manufacturers, so...
1: You can kind of guess that they got some backlash on that, and that last sentence is not on the current (laughs) note.
0: Somebody got in trouble for that one. Yeah, we're going to fend our customers
1: right off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've done it for you because you're a dope.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much that's the translation. (laughs) Unfortunately, they're correct, but but uh, and that is happening quite a bit, and. So for an awful lot of the parts, you don't have to have very much skill.
0: Well, and I always like to say, and you and I have talked about this at different levels many times, I always say everybody's innocent because EEs are laying out boards, and they were never taught it. You know, they're just thrown in the deep end of the ocean many times without... All this insight, which is why I do this podcast in the first <laughs> place, right? Right, is to to na- help engineers navigate those gaps. So, anyways, I didn't want people to think we're saying they're dopes; so they're not. So, we're, we're just here to help them. So, I always like to, on the podcast, Lee, give our listener our audience like one thing they could do today to make themselves better. Like, do you have one concrete tip? If someone listened today, I could go to this one thing to make my PDS better. Well,
1: as long as we had wide parallel buses like address and data buses, if I could give you no other advice, I'd say make sure you engineer a good interplane capacitor into your pin circuit board stack up. Okay. Because there of two or 300 EMI problems I have trouble shot all except one, have been because that was not part of the board layout, and it's required for those high-speed signals.
0: Well, back to Steve Sandler, and I've said this many times, is that what he's told me, you know, as a power expert, is when he designed the power system for the International Space Station, like 200,000 pages had a stamp on them that says, does not include board effects. And now he said, now forget it. It's all board effects. Like, right, this I, is the I, difference sure. of the times, right? And like you said, there's way more power now. And before it used to not matter. And now it matters a lot.
1: Yes. So a and, and, and little bit, I do this in, of course, to give perspective to people who have not done this before. It takes about 60 amps to start your car, and you know how big the cable is. It goes from the battery. It's about as big around at least as your finger. And we want to do 120 amps in little films of copper. Yeah. Called planes. And uh, that, that's not simple. And I illustrate uh, sometimes uh, the last big design we did was a router. It was a, a switch fabric chip that was 120 amps at 0.9 volts, and the board had 29 different power supply rails on it, a couple of 128 gigabit links. I I did all the SI engineering in about two days. It took
0: a whole month to
1: get the PDS right.
0: Wow. So at what point in the design, because it should design engineers be thinking about the PDS?
1: Before you do the stack-up of the print circuit board.
0: Okay. So that's the critical piece.
1: It it has become more critical than all the signal integrity work you have to do. It's harder by a lot. That's wild. Why? Why? Why is that? Because the primary things that are in most designs now are memory. Yep. And almost every connection is a differential signal uh and differential signaling is is like by, by comparison to routing a pillow of bus a slam dock uh you you route two wires the same length, and you go have a beer and you're all done with the differential pair and, unless you have skew well you got that that's that's <laughs> has to do with choosing your board material doesn't it yeah not and then
0: again again knowing Really yep. getting to know your board materials is really important and not just blindly trusting those uh, things as well. That's uh, yeah. the other
1: shoe, dropping the other shoe. And uh, without question, uh, PDF design just dominates everything we do.
0: Okay. And if you so were you're...
1: look at the papers at DesignCon, it was dominated by PDF design.
0: Interesting. So you're saying stack up is critical, and knowing what's what with your circuit materials. Yeah,
1: well, the 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 material you use in the stack up doesn't have much effect on the PDF. Well, the itself. the pre-print. serial links is what well, that is effective. Oh yeah, but the copper, how much you have and where it is, mm, mm, okay, is, is critical.
0: Got it. Okay, I misunderstood you there. That's critical.
1: Yeah. And that's that's why PDS design has to occur before anything else. And look the other element of the stack up is that plane capacitor we talked about it has to be engineered into the stack up.
0: Okay. All right. These are some really good tips. Plus, I'm gonna send folks over to take your class and if they're interested, they can go get the full treatment. So before I let you go, Lee, I was just thinking about our conversation about the immense power that you and I both saw being exhibited at DesignCon just a month ago. If it's so challenging now, what what does the future hold? Well,
1: I'm thinking I might retire.
0: (laughs) You recorded your class. I'm out.
1: (laughs) No, Good both, luck. Both my partner and I both uh, decided that when they want us to do 128 gigabits per second, we are we're finished.
0: <laughs> it's like y- you guys are thinking we got you this far. You're on your own now. Yes, <laughs> see, uh, but, yeah.
1: yeah. If you went to Design con, you, you and we did this on purpose. We threw all the booths that were showing that sort of thing. Well, none of the signals were in printed circuit boards.
0: Oh, all okay. we next, right? So it's all the flyovers and
1: yeah, yeah. they're there. So, yeah. So the question to be asked, this is kind of off the subject. To be asked is why, and that is at those at those rates. No matter how hard you work, you can't find glass weave that's good enough to keep the skew under control.
0: Right. Okay. So. Samtec and Molex and everybody else is just going to do really well then. Oh in yes. the future. yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: and the the solution is laminate that does not have glass, and uh-huh. we we are working with two developers on that right now, in- we'll see. When
0: are we gonna When are we gonna get to hear about that, Lee Ritchie?
1: I had to sign an NDA. <laughs> I had. I can't tell you.
0: I know you can't tell me, but, like, when do you think <laughs> any of that?
1: Before, before this year
0: is out. Okay. Well, that's helpful. But, yeah, I don't want you telling secrets now. I just wanted to know when we might expect. Okay, well, this is a per- perfect place to wrap up. and leave, uh- Now We have test boards. How's that? Okay. Well, I want you to call me the minute that that's available, widely available, and you can teach your listeners and talk about that a bit. Okay. Okay. Good deal. Well, Lee, it's always a delight to talk to you. You always have so much to say on all the leading and bleeding edge stuff. I'll definitely send people to your class. Where else to would you like me to send them to your website, your book? Where else would you like folks well, who are listening to go?
1: Holds, we have we have five day online courses. Okay. Over all the subjects starting with fundamentals and getting it all right. The title is Signal Integrity and Getting to 56 Gigabits per Second. Okay. And what, what we are just talking about here is, is one element of that. but that That is an online course, and you can find out about it on our website. Okay, great. And I get to sit here and do it, which is kind of nice.
0: Yeah, right. The Where, the upside yeah. of remote work, right? Yeah. You could just people
1: not no can't tell is I'm looking out of the Pacific Ocean right now.
0: Yeah.
1: It's rough hard. life. It's, it's hard. It's rough.
0: Somebody's yeah. gotta do it, Lee. It <laughs> might as well be you. Yeah. You've earned it. You've earned it. You've ridden the ride through all these years. So enjoy. Well, Lee, thank you again for coming today and teaching us about that. And I will certainly put those links in the show notes. Okay, thank you. Thank you. For our listeners, make sure you go check that out. There's some really great resources for you there. I hope you've enjoyed this enlightening conversation with Lee Ritchie, and we will see you next week. Until then, remember to always stay connected to the ecosystem.